Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's House. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. Always so good to be with the Bet Abba family. I just love being here, love being with you. But I'm especially excited tonight because I believe that the Lord has given me a word for each and every one of you this evening. And just even as I've been preparing and praying, you know, my prayer has been that this word is going to encourage each one of you. Because I just believe as we wrap up, you know, I think uh, the calendar is actually very important. And as we wrap up a year, I always take it very seriously that we begin to know how are we going to enter into the next year. And I just really pray that the Lord is going to give you some encouragement that as we embark on this next year, that we're just going to come with Holy Spirit fire for what he wants to do. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to speak about the story of Jacob. I've never shared this word before. The Lord very supernaturally spoke it to me in these last few weeks, ever since Pastor Miles asked if I would speak tonight. But you know, the Torah portion for this week begins in Genesis 37, verses 1 and 2. And I just want to read this to you. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan, this is the history of Jacob. You know, it's so easy to glance over a verse like that. You know, this is actually one of my favorite things to do in scripture. Those of you who have been in my classes know I like this, where I take some scriptures that you think you know, or, you know, I can go through the genealogy and God's going to speak to us out of it because every single word, there's, there's fresh manna for us, right? And, but it's easy to just kind of glance over, okay, you know, blah, 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 let's get to the real stuff here. No, this is the real stuff. We're not going to pass over this because I believe that there's great truth for each one of us tonight as we look at this. I love that it speaks about the history of Jacob. You know, what a powerful four words, the history of Jacob. You know, this is the history of the man who became Israel. We have to know this history. What is this history? Because the Lord would speak to us tonight from the history of Jacob. And so I'm calling tonight's message, it's not over till it's over. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would help me, Lord, speak the words that you've given me, Lord God. Lord, I pray for each person in this room, Lord God, whatever discouragement has come, whatever difficulties have been just in their midst, Lord God, I just pray that just a spirit of encouragement would come, Lord, that your people would begin to rise up and just even as 2023 begins, Lord, that we're all going to be ready to run. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless each one, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit be here. Lord, let us hear your voice even tonight. You know, I think uh, we would all agree that the last few years, you know, Siri, I want you to be quiet. I don't know. Sometimes she just pipes up and has an opinion. Um, 
But you know, I think all of us would look at the last few years, we'll call it a season, and say, you know, wow, this has been extraordinary. This has been very unique. And what's happened in these years, in many different ways, we each have our own stories. You know, if we had all the time in the world, we could just pass the mic around and say, hey, tell me some of the things that have happened to you in the last few years. There have been some very unique challenges. There have been things that have come to us that have been maybe the most difficult things we've ever been through in our lives. But you know, in this time, simultaneously, is a great moment of opportunity. And it's interesting because to me that sets the, the stage for the spiritual battle. It's, there's all these difficulties, but there's all these opportunities. And I think of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16.9. He said, you know, there's a great and effectual door that's open to me and there are many adversaries. So there's something about our Christian walk that we have to understand. It's not easy. It's not smooth. It's not always just going to be, oh, well, there it is. That's what I want. I'll just go from here to there. It's like we can see the great and effectual door open, but I want you to know God wants us to deal with the and many adversaries because the enemy comes at us from every direction. Why? Because he wants us to quit. I mean, we're already saved. We already know Jesus. So he's not able to come at us with that, but he comes at us in order that we would quit, that we would give up, that we would be those who maybe would be tripped up by delays, or we would become discouraged, or we'd have despair, and we wouldn't be able to do that which God has called us to because we become disheartened in the process. But I believe the Lord comes today and he gives us a scripture of promise. And I want to read it to you. In Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3, and maybe you know these verses, but I believe the Lord is going to cause it to come alive in a fresh way even this evening for you. It says, then the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. You see, because of the spiritual battle, it's so important for us to have our spiritual eyesight clear. It has to be accurate in this hour. We have to be able to see what it is that God is doing. He wants to give us eyes to see in the spirit. He wants to give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying so that we can understand what it is that he's doing. And I believe that in the history of Jacob, as we go through it this evening, that we're going to be able to sharpen our prophetic eyesight 
for this hour. Because the challenge of the season is to see it clearly. It's to have the right perspective. I mean, I see it. I, I talk to my husband all the time. Certain things really drive me crazy when I see Christians off on crazy tangents. And, you know, I, I was telling Pastor Kathy, I said, you know, this morning I just woke up with the scripture that says, you know, the washing of the water by the word of God, that we have to begin to wash our minds. We've got to begin to have a perspective that God gives us so that we can see and declare what it is that he's doing in this hour. We've got to have that right perspective. And so we see it, this whole truth in the life of Jacob, because we're going to see his battle to hold on to what God told him at the beginning and how he had to struggle to see the fulfillment. But the fulfillment he did see, he saw the fulfillment of his vision in the end. And that's why I'm calling it, it's not over till it's over. I mean, sometimes we think it's over now, but God says, no, it's not over. It's not over. If you're breathing, it's not over. We're not done yet. And so we discover early on in, in the story of Jacob, his simple, but it's powerful, prophetic vision that he has in Genesis 28. So let's read these few verses. In Genesis 28, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, <clears throat> You shall not. Take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples. I mean, this is his call to be Israel. This is the call that's come upon him. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land. You know, that means all the promises that God had given them. That you might inherit it in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. <clears throat> so it's really quite simple. Jacob gets this word from the father. He gets the word from Isaac, his father. And it's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. You know, we get a word from the father telling us what to do. Well, it was simple. Okay, Jacob, I want you to go over here, very specific place. I want you to have a wife of, of the daughters of, of your uncle. This is what I want. And then from there, you'll have children and you'll create a nation. I mean, it just sounds so simple. But you know, sometimes we receive that vision from God early on or maybe years ago. Maybe there was a glimpse that you had. There's a great and effectual door open to me. And it's like, ooh, I get it. See, Jacob is going like, yes, I'll do what the father says. I'll go down to Laban's house. 
I'll find myself a wife. We'll have some kids. We're going to inherit the land. It's going to be great. I mean, sometimes this is how we think in our mind that we, and it's true, it comes from the Lord. We hear from him. It's like, yes, this is what I want to be. God's called me to the mission field, or God's called me to preach, or God has shown me that I'm going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Whatever it is that the Lord has called you to, <clears throat> but it doesn't always happen just like that. See, this is where we have to have the proper perspective on the vision. That's why Habakkuk is so important. Though the vision tarries, oh, wait for it. And so here it is. Jacob goes and he wants to marry a daughter of Laban. What could be easier than that? Wants to have children with her. This all seems very very good. It's not going to be, be difficult. So he's on his way. It sounds so easy. He's in the right place. Jacob is in the right place. It's the right thing. But you know what? There's more to this story. And this is what the Lord wants us to look at today. Because this is just like in our own lives. There's more to the story. But we're not to give up because the vision is yet for an appointed time. So we're going to see Jacob's going to experience a lot of things between us. Let's look. Genesis 29, verse 9, it says, Now, while Jacob was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep. So he's gone to Laban's area, and out pops Rachel, and she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, you know, in his head, he's going, check, check. Dad told me, you're going to go over here. You're to marry a daughter of Laban. Whoa, here comes Rachel. This is great. This is just the way it should be. And so here's Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel. Well, what else should he do? It's like, this is it. I'm all done. I'm, I'm ready. And he lifted up his voice and he wept. You know, there's something about the vision that God gives you of your destiny that you're just so full of joy over it and you weep out of joy and it's just like, I see it. Yes, God, I see it. And see, this is how Jacob was. He's looking at Rachel and he's going, yes, this is it. I knew it. My vision is so clear. Here we go. And so Jacob tells Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So look at this. So, Re uh, so Rachel ran and told her father. I mean, she's excited about this. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son. It says that then Laban ran to meet Jacob. I mean, this is looking so good. Everybody's moving fast. He's got his vision. It's happening. He's operating in it. Everybody's running towards it. And it says that Laban embraced Jacob and he kissed him and he brought him to his house. So Jacob told Laban all these things. So Rachel is the one who Jacob wants. You know, it really, this story couldn't be going any better. I mean, but think about your own life. That's how we want our story, right? 
we want the call of God to come, and we want, like, here's A, point A. God told me that I'm supposed to end up at B. We want A to B just to be like that. Instead, and these last few years have really demonstrated, it's like, here's A, uh-oh, you're going to C. You're going to D. Wait, 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 I want to go to B. Oh, off you go to X. You know, it's like, are you kidding? I feel like I'm moving in the wrong direction. You know, it was like, I saw what I want. Even what I wanted, wanted me. But what do you mean I'm over here? Like, this doesn't make any sense at all. But I'm telling you that this is real life. Because the great and effectual door, the great destiny, the thing that God has called you to, comes with and many adversaries, many difficulties, many uh, delays, many issues that can be there. But there he is. Jacob's in the right place. He's wanting the right thing. And he feels like the fulfillment of his dream is right at hand. Because everybody's running towards it. But let's see how the story unfolds. Genesis 29, verse 15, it says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I'll serve you, Laban, for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. You know, it's interesting. I saw this story in a new light. I mean, I, I've taught out of the book of Genesis many times. I've taught these very verses. I've never taught it this way. But as I looked at these verses, as God began to show me, you know, I've always kind of taught and heard that Laban tricked Jacob. But he didn't. If you look at what he said, he said, you know, I want to give you something for your labor. And Jacob said, well, I want to have Rachel. Okay. Stay with me. Well, let's see what happens. You know, Jacob is saying, I've done my part. I worked seven years. Let me fulfill the call of God on my life the way I want to fulfill it. Because my dad sent me to marry a daughter of Laban, and there's Rachel, and I want her. I've worked, now let me have her. And he believed, Jacob believed his prophetic vision was about to come to pass. But we're going to see there's a twist in the story. Well, why is that important? Because I believe that our lives are full of twists. They're full of interruptions. They're full of things we didn't expect. 
They're full of things we didn't want, we didn't request, we didn't see coming, maybe embarrass us, you know, all of these different things. But it's the truth of our Christian lives. It's not always smooth. It's almost never smooth because there's disappointments and there's delays. But that's why having a prophetic vision is so important. That's what Habakkuk says. It says, hold on to it. Write it down. I'm here to tell you that God is going to speak afresh to you even in these next two weeks. And he's going to begin to refine even what God has for you in 2023. I want to tell you it's time to write these things down because when tricky things come, when hard things come, we've still got to run with it. We've still got to say, I'm still in this, God. I'm not going to give this up. And so let's see what happens in Jacob's story. In Genesis 29, verse 22, it says, And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. It's like, time for the wedding. Jacob, get ready. Here it comes. Now it came to pass in the evening that Laban took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob went into her. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery how he didn't know that this wasn't Rachel. But what can I say? There's the story. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So as Jacob marries Leah, he also gets her handmaid Zilpah. So we'll see what this all means in a moment. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. What an interesting turn of the story. So it's in the middle of the story. You know, after Jacob serves the first seven years to marry Rachel, but he ends up with Leah. I mean, this is kind of crazy. But see, we can look at our stories and look at them and say, no, that isn't what I wanted. That wasn't what I planned. But I want you to note what Laban said. He said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. You know, the Lord, just like Habakkuk says, he's going to bring us to, you know, at the end, wait for it because it will surely come. But in the country that is the kingdom of God, God operates differently than our minds think. You know, the Lord says in the scriptures, my ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. I mean, our thoughts are, let's expedite this. Let's do it real quickly because I like to move fast. And like I said, A to B, that's the most efficient way. Let's do it. But God says, it must not be so in this country. In this country of the kingdom of God, he's saying there's certain things that must come first. You know, the Lord is interested in character. 
He's interested in the fruits of the spirit. He's not just interested in the destiny, though he's interested in the destiny. But he says it must be done in a particular way so that the fullness can happen. I mean, think about it. You know, I, and I love the scriptures for this reason, that it's full of stories. Could Joseph in the book of Genesis have saved the whole world and saved his brothers if he hadn't been sold into slavery and been falsely accused and gone into prison and been forgotten? Would he have been the person he was who was able to have the revelation? He wouldn't have. Would Paul the Apostle have been able to write a good portion of the New Testament had he not been under death threat and forced to go into hiding for three years? Because it was during that hiding, he's let down from a basket because his, his life is at stake. He had to be all by himself. Nobody wanted him, not even the church. The church didn't want him. They were afraid of him. But he said it was during those times when he was in the desert for those three years that God God gave him the multiple revelations. I'm here to tell you today that we can't despise even those things that we didn't want because God is saying in the country of the kingdom of God, some things are allowed because I want to birth something through it. I want to cause something to come forth from it. And I love it. Because there's a kingdom process. Some experiences and trials are part of the process and must come first. It must come first. But God is saying the other will come too. But in this country, other things can come first. Because the Father has a design for our lives. And you know, this process that we find in our lives, in our Christian lives, that at times is so difficult and so painful, and it involves things that we wouldn't have chosen for ourselves. I mean, Jacob did not want Leah. It was like, no, 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 no. I saw Rachel. Rachel, she's the one. But he ends up. I mean, imagine that. But you see, the Lord will use every bit of our story. So let's look at Jacob's story just a little bit deeper. You know, I, I love the Old Testament. The uh, book of 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 10, it says, everything happened to them as types and in samples. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages are come. You know, we're living in the day where we've got to understand it all. And so when I look at the Old Testament, the Word of God, I know that nothing is there by happenstance. The names are important. You know, why is the name Leah? Why is the name Rachel? Why is it Zilpah? What is this all about? Oh, there is revelation right there. Leah's name means weary. Zilpah, and that was Leah's maid, she comes along for the ride, and you'll see because, uh, well, actually, we won't see because we don't have time tonight, but she ends up having some children with Jacob, too. Um, her name means weak and frail. And later you're going to see, or not, if we don't have time, which is okay, that when Jacob does marry Rachel, she comes with a maid as well, and her name is Bilhah whose name means troubled, weak, 
and old. Oh, I don't like this story. I don't like it at all. It's like I want happy and strong and young and youthful. But God says, no. I'm going to cause some things to happen first. There's going to be times where you feel weary. There's going to be times where you feel weak. There's going to be times where you feel old and kind of ready to just give up, where you think, I don't have the strength. But you know, the Lord says in the book of Zechariah, he says, not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, God allows these things to come in our life because if they didn't come in our life, we would think we could do it all by ourselves. And so God allows us to be married to Leah to understand without Jesus, I can't do this. You know, God forbid I should ever think I can do anything on my own. I mean, it's almost a joke. My husband will attest to this. Whenever I preach or minister, the night before is pretty much a disaster. It's like, you know, you're dragging yourself. Well, last night was no different. I wake up and it feels like I've broken my toe. Like, I haven't done anything. It's just all of a sudden, oh. And I'm picturing in my mind, how am I going to wear shoes? How am I going to stand up? But I could tell you, you know, every time I, I pretty much minister, it's, it's always like weird. It's always like, okay, suddenly the back gives out, you know. But why? Because I, I think it's like you need Jesus. You need to just have him. You need to understand. Well, Paul knew this too. I mean, as great as he was, the revelations that he had were unbelievable, so outstanding. I mean, he has an Acts 9 experience and sees the Lord. I mean, it, it's pretty profound. But look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. I mean, that wouldn't we all say, yes, that, that's a good prophetic vision. I want an abundance of revelations. But Paul's giving us the Leah in his life. He's saying, lest I was exalted because of that. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. I mean, I want to say, what? You know, Paul, he's like going on missionary trips. Like, couldn't we just give the guy a break? But God said, no, we can't. No, we can't. And Paul understood this. He says, concerning this thing, whatever this thorn in the flesh was, it was obviously very unpleasant. He says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect, made perfect in weakness. When we have Leah and we have Bilhah and we have Zilpah in our midst, God says, okay, I think you're ready for Rachel. I think you're ready because you know it's not you. You know that there's weariness. You know that it's tough. I mean, you know that sometimes it takes all you have just to show up. And so he says, therefore, 
You know, because he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so we see in the story, and like I said, I, it's such a beautiful story. One day, maybe I'll share the rest of it. But we don't have time tonight to do who were all these children. But we see in his story, eventually, Jacob does marry Rachel. But before he has children with Rachel, he is 10 with these other three. You see, God causes us to birth some things through the difficulties of our lives, through the things we didn't ask for, we didn't want. Our eyes were actually looking at something else. I want to be over here. I'm looking for point B, God. But God says, well, over at point X that you didn't want to be at at all, you're going to birth some things. And these things are going to be important in your life. And so he has 10 children before he has children with Rachel. I mean, finally, he does have children with Rachel. Finally, his 11th son is born, and that is Joseph, which is amazing. And of course, then he ultimately has a 12th son. But the story of Jacob isn't over yet, even there, because there's still more wrestling that has to be done because the Lord wants to finish work. I mean, this is the thing. This is why God is tuning our prophetic vision for this hour. He wants the perspective to be right. He wants us to write this down clearly that we can run with it so that when somehow in January or March we find ourselves at point E, when we really want to be at point B, we're not going to freak out. We're going to say, I knew this was coming. This is okay, because God is going to do something in this. I'm going to trust him that even though that wasn't the quickest path, it's the path that God allowed me to go on. And so Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, God wants us to wrestle so that there can be a complete work. Because he knows if it's all easy, if it's just the great and effectual open door, it's not going to happen. And we're going to become so full of ourselves that it's not going to make any sense. So he says, no, there's Leah, there's Bilha, there's Zilpah. You're taking them with you too. It's, you're going to feel old, you're going to feel weak, you're going to feel weary, you're going to feel like, I, I don't get it, what is this, what's the delay, why, why, why? But God says, just watch, just watch. And so let's watch. In Genesis 32, verse 24, it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when this man, who's really Jesus, saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. 
And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you've struggled with God and with men, and you've prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and Jacob limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because God touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. You see, when we wrestle through some of life's difficulties, we'll find, as we reflect back, that the Lord has touched us. Now, does it make us walk with a limp? It does. Do we come out of it the same way we started? We don't. There is a limp. But it's as we wrestle through these things that we see the Lord, that we discover, wow, I've encountered the Lord and he's done something and that he changes our name because Israel means the prevailer, that God is calling us to prevail, but you can't prevail without the wrestling. You can't prevail without going to point X and W and all of these different places. And that's why I believe prophetically, Laban said, it must not be so in our country. You can't just have Rachel. That's not how it's done. And so when we understand that in our lives, I believe it can help us. You see, Paul saw the very same thing. He, he experienced the very same type of wrestling. He, he says in Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Another way to phrase that in Jacob's story is, if Paul were saying it, you know what, I press on. Yeah, there's Leah, there's Zilpah, there's Bilhah, but I'm pressing on because I want to take hold of the fullness. You see, God wants you to know tonight, don't give up. Yeah. Don't feel like this season has just, and it has. I mean, it's gone on so long. Like, can we be done with it already? But you know what? The Lord is doing something in it, and he wants us to understand that in our lives. You know, I, I love right after Paul said that, you know, I'm going to lay hold of this thing. He says, okay, so here's, he says, the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward to that goal that God has placed before me. And see, I believe that that's what the Lord would have in our lives. All of the things that we're currently going through that are so hard, all of the things that we've been through before that are a bafflement to us, a, a puzzle. And it's just like, but that's not the way I thought it should be. God is saying, if you would just press forward through that, if you would see that it's not by your strength, it's not by your might, I've allowed those things so that you know it's only going to be by my spirit because it is a wrestling. 
It is oppressing, but it's designed to change our walk forever, yeah? We might limp. <laughs> you might see me limping along. We've all got stories, but I want you to know it's like a badge of courage. It's saying, you know what? I made it through, and I'm still walking, and it's okay if I'm limping because I can't fully prevail except that I go through the, the wrestling, the wrestling through difficult situations, but not giving up. And we experience, you know, I, and I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Again, a letter that Paul wrote. He went through so much. I love Paul's writings because every bad thing happened to him. I mean, it was like one bad thing after another. Read 2 Corinthians 11. It's like he's shipwrecked. He's beaten. You know, he's got snakes hanging onto his hand. It's bad. It's bad, bad, bad. But he says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, he says, for a light affliction, which is but for a moment, it says it's working for us. I always think of this like, okay, all the things I don't like, they're actually my employees. They're working for me. It's working for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see, the difficulties, the things that we experience and don't like, they're our employees, they're working for us, they're making us into something that we want. So towards the end of Jacob's story, Jacob has his 12th and final son, Benjamin, with Rachel. You know, and I wish we could have gone through every chapter, every verse, because it's amazing. But what a process Jacob had to go through to get to the two sons with Rachel. You know, here's the other 10, Here's the two, now here's the 12. But you know what? Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. You see, there's difficulties that we go through, that we all experience in order to birth our full destiny. And some of them are so incredibly painful. It is like a death. It is. It, it's like feeling like, like you can't believe it. I don't know if you've ever been there. Like sometimes I read the book of Job. I've been in some pretty crazy situations in my life where it was like, whoa, really? And you feel like Job, who's scraping the sores off his legs with a stone. You know, you just feel like, could this get any uglier? Could this get any worse? But you know, there's Rachel dying to give birth to Benjamin. So none of the 12 came easily. They all have their story. But you know what? And this is the walkaway point. It was all 12 who became Israel. It wasn't just the two of Rachel. Nobody was missing. Zilpah's, Bilhah's, Leah's, all of them. They're part of the 12 tribes. They became Israel. They became the one who prevailed. They are part of it. You see, the difficulties that we experience help to birth our full destiny. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. And so the truth, I believe, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. This was the beginning of this message. He just kind of downloaded this statement to me was the truth about Jacob's two wives, Rachel and Leah, because the other two were handmaids, even though they ended up having children. 
actually speak to us how to get through to our ultimate destiny. And what is that? That which we want and that which we don't want work together to bring us to that place of our destination. And he began to speak to me out of Romans chapter 8, a verse we all know so well, but I think you'll see it in a new light now. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Because it really isn't over till it's all over. It really isn't. You're still here. We still know it. Because our destinies are birthed in the process. It's through the victories. Yes, it is. But it's also through the disappointments. It's also through the difficulties. It's through when people let us down. It's through when people betray us. It's through when... It happens when we're humiliated. It happens when unfair, unjust things happen. And God says, hold on. They're not in control of your life. I'm in control. And I'm the God who causes Leah's and Bilha's. And you're weary. And you're frail. And you don't know how you're going to do it. And he says, no. This is going to cause the prevailing in your life to happen. If you would allow it. If you would not give up. So I'm going to invite the band up as I finish up my last few things because the story isn't quite over yet. It's almost there. Because I want to look at the end now of Jacob's life because we know it's not over till it's over. So let's see when was it over and what happened. And so his final episode, Genesis 49. I love this. I love this. Genesis 49, verse 29, it says, Then Jacob charged his sons, yeah, these 12, the sons of the four ladies, and he gives them a charge, and he says to them, I'm to be gathered to my people. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to die. God's told me I'm going to die. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah. I love this. There's a whole truth. I have a whole teaching on that word Machpelah, but it means double portion. You know, I love it. I love that he says, you know, because the double portion in the scripture speaks of the full inheritance. It's like the double portion. It's so amazing. This is, you know, the firstborn blessing. And he says, I want you 12 from what I wanted and what I didn't want. I want you all to carry me to the place of the double portion, the place of the fullness. And so Genesis 50, verse 12 says, so his sons, all 12 of them, did for Jacob just as he had commanded them, for his sons carried him, where? To the land of Canaan, the land of promise, and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. You see, I believe our lives in Christ will cause all things to work together. I mean, 
I wish I could cross this out on my own notes, because I know it's not easy, but I'm happy that that's what does happen, that we get the fullness as we allow. When we say, I'm not going to give up, I'm having an experience, but God's going to birth something through it. I want you to know, whatever you're going through tonight, that God is going to birth something through it. You didn't ask to go there. You didn't want to go there. You, you had nothing to do with it, but there you are. But God says, if you allow me, even if you're weary, even if you're frail, I'll birth something. And you'll see the time will come where that's going to be part of what carries you to your full destination right into that place of inheritance and your full spiritual destiny. And so when I look at this, I say to myself, Lord, would you help me? Would you help each one of us not just look at the good things, but look at the hard things, the difficult things, and in our spirits, would we say, I charge you. I charge you, hard thing, to carry me to my destiny. I charge you, good thing, weak thing, frail thing, weird thing, thing I didn't want. I'm going to birth something in all of it. Because when we allow God to move, he will. I'm going to read Habakkuk 2.3 one more time. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash Beit Abba or call our office at 707-455-7790.